0: Talk Radio. And right now, it's big fight time, live in Las Vegas. Trevor Berbick and Mike Tyson are about to battle it out for the WBC heavyweight championship. Right.
1: And we are talking about the greatest performances in boxing history today on this Sunday. What's up, homie? It's One Silva joining Logan Time Traveler. Are you there?
0: Hey, good evening, Logan. The ignoreable episode of the greatest performances in boxing history. And we start out with one of my all-time favorite fighters. He's probably my second favorite fighter after Muhammad Ali. Many experts, including myself, consider this man the greatest offensive fighter of all time. And we will be taking a look at the three greatest performances of his career in my opinion. We're talking about Thomas Hitman Hearns, or other people call him the Motor City Cobra. Thomas Hearns, one of the ten greatest fighters of the last thirty of the last thirty five years. And he was a multiple world champion. He won world championships at welterweight, junior middleweight, middleweight, super middleweight and light heavyweight. He faced a plethora of of legendary fighters, Pepino Cuevas, Roberto Duran, Sugar Ray Leonard, Wilfred Benitez, Marvin Hagler. We featured him a few times on the Greatest Fight Series. He will be the featured performer today on the inaugural episode of the greatest performances in boxing history.
1: Yes, indeed. And uh, we have here a guy that, I mean, would you say that he's been underrated by boxing history, or do you think that uh, he's been kind of put where he should
0: be? He's put where he should be. He he has not been underrated. Um, had Tommy Hearns defeated Marvin Hagler in that epic epic contest that we um, talked about on the Greatest Fight series very early on, well, it might have been the second or third episode, if he beats Hagler and not Hagler beat Hearns, had Hag- Hearns come out victorious, we'd be talking about a guy that many people would think was one of the five greatest fighters of all time.
1: Yeah, I mean, but that could have been a, just an issue of just being a little too old, right? I mean,
0: no, if, he was. Both of those fighters were in their prime when that fight occurred. No, nobody was old in that fight. It's just Hagler wanted it more, and as I mentioned in the, in doing that episode, Tommy broke his right hand in the first round, so you cannot beat right. a guy like like Marvin Hagler with one hand.
1: That's correct. Yeah, you know because uh, I remember when that fight first happened. I for some reason I he looked old to me in the fight but I guess it was because his hand wasn't working.
0: <laughs> the reason he looked older is because he had like in the Durant fight we'll be talking about tonight, he had the Jerry curls and the goatee which to make him die. At, at that point Logan when he fought Hagler he was only twenty six years old.
1: Holy shit. Well okay, well we're we're uh, uh gonna go over a lot of the stuff in his career, but let's get into this fight these fights that you've outlined as sort of like his his marquee for the best performances. Now, uh, obviously, there are many more great performances. I mean, his defeat of Sugar Ray Leonard, right? I mean, well, uh,
0: they robbed they robbed him in that fight. They called it a draw, but even Sugar Ray Leonard, in his recent biography said he lost that fight.
1: hmm Yeah, I mean, just a, a moral defeat, uh, definitely. But and he and he also had, I mean, what, what if you were to if there was some other fight that you didn't, you know, that you had to debate on to include in this because you just wanted to include three, like what would it be? Uh, be
0: It would be his December 1982 victory over Wilfred Benitez, uh, one of the greatest counterpunches and defensive fighters of all time. Tommy Hearns thoroughly dominated him, outboxed him, won a 15-round decision to win the WBC Junior Middleweight Championship. Um, The first time he won the Light Heavyweight Championship, the WBC version, in March of 1987, when he dropped defending champion Dennis Andre six times and knocking him out in his tenth round. And the aforementioned fight you you talked about, the robbery on June of 1989 when he dropped uh, Sugar Ray Leonard twice, and Sugar Ray Leonard escaped with a draw. Those three other fights could have been included in this series, but I think the three fights, and I will run them out, run them down now, that I mentioned right now were his final finest performances, and they are from August 2nd, 1980s, WBA welterweight champion Pino claimant his title against Thomas Hearns, the number one contender, in Thomas Hearns' backyard to Joe Louis Arena, Detroit, Michigan. Then we go to June 15, 1984. Thomas Hearns, the WBC junior middleweight champion, against the WBA junior middleweight champion, Roberto Stone Durant. And finally, from June 3, 1991, the WBA light heavyweight champion, Virgil Hill, Defending his title against Thomas Hearns. Thomas Hearns is a five and two underdog. Many people think by this time he's passed his prime. One reason why this is his third finest performance of his career.
1: Now let's talk about Hearns um, leading up to this first fight that you have on here. Uh what what was under his belt at this point? I mean, he seemed like he was pretty young. Uh he, what did he, he, what was had he cool done?
0: One? He was 21 years old. He was undefeated, 28 and 0 with 26 knockouts, and he Logan he was destroying everybody in the welterweight division. The Pino Cuevas, the the, the 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 reigning champion, had held the title for four years and had destroyed everybody. So this was two at the time the two hardest punches in the welterweight division, two of the hardest punches in boxing going up, and Hearns was a slight favorite. And I remember going into this fight, my father told me Pepino Cuevas had no shot in hell of beating Tommy Hearns. And I'm like, Pop, why? He's like, height differential. Tommy Hearns was a good, if you could see this fight, half foot to seven inches taller than Pepino Cuevas in this fight.
1: I mean, but it's hard to believe that in all his years of fighting that uh, Pepino, who was an uh, undefeated fighter, um, or and how he... Or, I don't know if he was an undefeated fighter, if he, he just was, fought. He,
0: was, he wasn't undefeated, but he had dominated the WBA title for four years in the welterweight division. Yeah, and so, um, I mean, he yeah. never
1: fought anybody that tall?
0: No. Tommy Hurd is six foot two and a half at welterweight. One of the tallest welterweight in the history of the division. No, he never fought anybody that tall.
1: So are you saying that his height was the reason why he was so great? No, I mean, no, no, no.
0: The Pino Cueves style was tailor-made for Tommy Hunt. But Peter Quavers was your typical, your prototypical Mexican slugger. Body puncher, punches hard to just, a bricks in both hands and a great chin. That alone is not enough to beat a guy like Tommy Hurts.
1: Okay. And so you got uh, this fight, I mean, uh, these two champions, uh, I guess trying to unify the title, right? No, no, no.
0: Tommy Hurts is the number one contender. At this point, Logan, the WBC champion was Roberto Duran in the World's Way Division.
1: Oh, I'm sorry, yeah. Right, right. And then he's fighting uh this guy who is the champion and he's Yeah, yes. Now he instantly it just looks like the guy can't get into his inside. The jab is just keeping him way out there and it's Tommy just like,
0: Hearns had one of the greatest jabs in the history of the sport. I would put it top five. If any if someone was to tell me Tommy Hearns had the greatest jab of all time, I wouldn't argue with him. I would say in the history of boxing, Larry Holmes is the only guy who definitely Definitively had a better left jab than Tommy Hearns. Thomas Hearns, you're not going to out jab. Tommy Hearns has never out jabbed throughout his entire career. We'll see in the, in in his fight against Virgil. Another quick left jabber. Yeah, Hearns, is- Hearns is six foot two and a half. Pepito Quavers is five foot six. Pepito Cuevas already realizes in the first round he can't get inside Tommy. Tommy's too tall. So what does Pepito try to do? He tries to box. Pepito never boxed in his life. He's a he's a come forward slugger. That right then and there, when you when I saw that in the first round, my father smacked me in the back of the head and said, "Yo, this fight's over." <laughs> Indeed,
1: and you know, this, I mean, you basically summed up the fight there. So basically, what's happening is that I just like that last part of the fight where he's he fakes he fakes the punch to the gut, and then and comes over with he, the right hand,
0: and he shoots the the right hand from him. Now, what I love about what I love about Tommy and his fight is. He's a boxer. Quavis is a slugger, but yet Tommy, as he does in his next fight against Roberto Duran, that we'll talk about, walks down the slugger like He's got that intimidating that height. He was, he's he's intimidating Cwalis to the point where Cwalis is running.
1: Yeah, I mean it's weird because he seems to uh, go from a uh, uh, like a guy a, a jabber boxer to a counterpuncher very quickly. The minute the guy starts becoming, you know, starts becoming aggressive, he becomes a master counterpuncher, and he stops jabbing, I noticed. You know, I mean, it's an interesting technique that he uses.
0: He did that throughout both uh, Sugar Ray Leonard fights. A good analysis there, uh, Logan. Tommy Herman w- was underrated in one aspect. He would uh, he would adjust his style to who he was fighting. If he saw the guy was going to come after him, he'd become the counterpuncher boxer. If he saw the guy was going to run, he'd walk him down. That's what he exactly did against Quavers. In the first round, he dominated. He threw a nice left hook off the jab, hurt Quavers. Quavers starts running. He lands a couple of nice right crosses before the bell rings. In the second round, it's all Tommy. Quavers tries to slug with Tommy. He can't even hit Tommy. What I loved in the second round, Logan, and you probably noticed it too, is that Tommy's head movement while he's inside with Quavers, Quavers can't touch him. Yeah. And I
1: mean Cuevas, too. I mean he obviously is uh, has a great chin because he took a lot of punishment before he finally started. But that it's I, I feel like there's just that patented right uh, hand that uh, I guess it was a right hook or something right that he had. the right cross from hell. Okay, it's I mean he nails people in the chin and the ear with that thing, and it's just you know, once it hits on the button, forget it.
0: Tommy, a lot of people claim Tommy might have the greatest right hand right cross in boxing history, it's up there. It's top five. I'm not going to say it's the greatest because I'm a huge Tommy Hurts fan. I don't want anybody to stop say that I'm being biased. But when he landed that right hand flush, you were done. And that's what happened in the second round. Like you said, he fainted that he was going to the body. Quavers tried to protect it. Then he shot that right cross. Boom. He landed two right crosses within two seconds of each other. Quavers goes down face first. I got to give Quavers credit. He got up in
1: the count eight. He did, and the, it looked like toward, you know, into that second round that he knew that it was just one more shot that was going to get this guy, and it looked like all he was doing was just measuring him for that last right hand to nail him with. Like, you notice that? Like, right before you hit him with it, he was just sitting there putting the putting his, right, his left hand out and just to measure for that fucking right cross, you know, that he was going to fucking nail him with.
0: The, two, the, the Roberto Duran and the pepino Quavers were both tailor-made for Tommy Ernst because they both led with their head. Tommy knew this in both fights, and he knew that eventually when he hit the right hand, it was going to be over. And you're right. He anticipated that because he had hit Quavers so many times. He knew eventually Quavers was gone. And right towards the end of the second round, that double right cross puts Quavers down. Quavers gets up at the count of eight, but his point is smart. They run in the ring and they stop it because they don't stop it. That'll be the end of his career.
1: Yeah, yeah. So he's he's definitely uh, uh, that's it for him now. Did they ever meet again?
0: No, 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 no. Uh, Pino Cuevas' career spiraled out of control after this, where he lost a uh, decision to Roger Stafford, the unknown, a year later, and then after winning a few fights against nondescript opponents, got a, a, a got a shot in a, an elimination fight against Roberto Duran, and Roberto Duran destroyed Pepino Cuevas in um, January of 1983, signaling the end of Pepino's, Pepino Cuevas' career. Pepino Cuevas was elected to the International Boxing Hall of Fame, and deservedly so, and is a member. And I just want to quickly point out, all three of these fights, the three greatest performances of Tommy Hunt's career, came against three Hall of Fame all-time greats.
1: Oh, that's interesting. So uh, I, you had to wonder, though, whether his uh, beatdown by Tommy Hearns affected his performance with uh, with, uh I don't Durant think so. Because...
0: I don't think so. I think Quavis, he was 29, 30 years old going into this fight. He had a long career. He started boxing when he was 15, 16. And you know, Logan, have you noticed throughout the history of boxing, guys that have aggressive styles age quicker than, than boxers.
1: But the the let's just say the Tomaherns Hearns beating did not uh, age him slower or age him uh, slower than the... God,
0: you know what? It wasn't a it wasn't a substantial beating. It wasn't like you take a ten round pounding. It ended. Yeah.
1: Indeed. All right, well, let's get on to this next fight. Uh I thought this was extremely unsurprising given who he was fighting and uh talk about this. They talked about it was uh Old overnight, but I don't think so. That was
0: not uh, was bullshit. Durant because Durant would win many many big battles after that fight, including the middleweight championship of the world five years later. So no, it was not age. It was a bad matchup for Durant. Durant uh, Tommy was six inches tall, half a foot taller than Durant. Tommy's five, uh, six two. Durant's five eight. Durant always had problems with boxers. Now he's fighting a boxer that has a huge. Height advantage, a huge read adva- reach advantage, and a huge advantage in power and boxing ability. Roberto Duran is one of the ten greatest fighters of all time, but if they fought a hundred times, Tommy Hearns knocks him out a hundred times.
1: Yeah, well, I, it was a, uh, I guess, a bad style. And after, another thing, but...
0: Logan. Another thing, Logan. Something you said about Cuevas, Duran never, ever fought somebody as tall as Tommy Hearns in his career.
1: I see. Well, I mean, you know, I mean, but I bet you if it was a less skilled guy, he might have been able to. No,
0: yeah, you're right, because you're combining, you're combining Thomas Hurd's height with his incredible athleticism. Thomas Hurd's one of the greatest athletes to ever box. He was just a great natural athlete with his <laughs> God given boxing ability. Duran, yeah. as great as he was, as great as he was, I don't think there would have been a day where he could have beaten Tommy Hurd, because that. It was just too much in front of him.
1: Well, one thing I have to mention, though, that I I felt like Duran was doing was it would look like by standing up real straight and fighting him the way he did, it was like he was disrespecting him. And I thought he was sort of like a mental tactic that he was going to try to use in this fight, and it just totally was the wrong
0: way to go. And also, Duran did another uh, bad tactic, a, a, a misjudgment. He tried to box Tommy. You're not going to outbox. No one's ever outboxed Thomas Hearns. You got to get him in a, in, in a firefight. By the time Duran realized that, it was too late. But it was almost like he was
1: doing that almost to show that he could do it. And it was just like the dumbest thing ever. I mean, I don't know why he disrespected him as a fighter so much. It's like, didn't he see this guy in tapes and things like that? What... Oh,
0: he knew about Tommy Hearns because after he beat the, a limit, before the no Moss fight had... Durant won the Nomad fight. The big fight would have been Hearns versus Durant. So Durant, knew about uh, Hearns? Durant, knew about Hearns all the time because he was always a possible opponent for Roberto Duran.
1: It just didn't it, didn't it seem like it was a lack of respect for for uh, Hearns. Well, see, Gil.
0: Durant, D- Durant tries to get into your head. He tries to get into his opponent's head. He got into Sugar Ray Leonard's head the first time they scored. He tries to disrespect. He tries to disrespect all his opponents, but. That wasn't going to work against Thomas Hearns. Not with that, gap, not with that huge gap in weight, height, um, length for length for arms and punching ability.
1: Oh yeah, Tommy Hearns just just took him apart, man. It was this really. Fight,
0: I don't think Duran landed one shot in this fight. This was a total block. He got dropped twice in the first round. He's and and I once again when the round ended, my father nudges me in the stomach because when the round ended. Duran slapped Fox into hers' glove. Duran never did that to anybody. That, my father was like, you know what? Roberto just, he he just, he just, he just told Tommy that, you know what, by him giving him a pound, you got me.
1: Yeah, and the thing about it, too, is that I don't think there's ever been a guy destroy Duran like that. I mean, no,
0: Duran had never knocked out before. He did. In the second round, that right cross that put Roberto Thur- Durant to sleep, one of the great punches in the history of boxing. Durant was out for 15 minutes.
1: Yeah, it was the same punch that knocked out the other guy except if it was on his chin. I mean, it was the same it exact was the, punch.
0: It was the same type of right cross right down the middle. Durant goes down, doesn't get up. He, Mom, well, the referee doesn't even bother counting. That's how <laughs> bad it was.
1: Oh, yeah. He was just like uh, he a – he had a – Scrape him off with a spatula off that fucking canvas, man. <laughs> it was flat. Uh I mean it was like eating the canvas. I mean, just like, oh my god.
0: And you know what? He did not go old overnight because six months prior to this fight, Logan, he gave Marvin Hagler hell in losing a close fifteen round decision. Roberto Duran was far, far from being done.
1: Yeah, right. I mean, so, like, yeah, talk about Duran's career after this fight.
0: All right, after after this, Duran will lose a few times, including to Marvin Hagler's brother, Robbie Sims, on a Thomas Hearns undercard in the summer of 86. But little by little, Duran started winning again, and he climbed up at the age of 37 in February 1989 to, to face the guy, Iran Barkley, who had shocked the world by knocking out Thomas Hearns in June of 1988. February 1989, Duran and Barkley engaged in the 1989 fight of the year, a fight we covered on the Greatest Fight series. Duran Durant wins a very tough 15 round split decision in which Duran took everything. Barkley knocked out hers. Barkley couldn't hurt Duran. Barkley, Barkley hit Duran with everything but the kitchen sink. Duran drops Barkley late in the fight. Wins the decision. Wins the title. Then he fights an uneventful. Twelve-round fight with Sugar Ray Leonard, horrible fight. Sugar Ray beats him. Both guys are past their prime, and that's the that's the first time you saw both Duran and Leonard look old. December of mm. 1989. All right. Well, let's talk about um, Hearns uh,
1: after this fight.
0: Okay. After this fight, his next fight was against legendary Marvin Hagler in the classics, 1985 fight of the year. Hagler knocks out uh, Hearns in the third round. Hearns continues to defend his junior middleweight championship, gives it up in the winter of 86, moves up to light heavyweight, knocks out Dennis Andre in March of 87. Then, after Chigurh Leonard retired, wins the WBC vacant middleweight championship by knocking out the Argentine Bull, Juan Rodan in four rounds. Then he gets upset by Barkley in 88. He gets robbed against Leonard in June of 89, and then wins three or four more fights before finally getting another shot at a world championship. Many people thought this would be his final fight. Many people, he was a five or two underdog. June 3rd, 1991, against the undefeated Virgil Hill.
1: Now, Virgil Hill, I mean, kind of had a similar style, right?
0: Virgil Hill, they both had great left jabs. What I love about this fight, Logan, you probably was enthralled by the battle of jabs. Never saw a fight with two guys just kept they were punishing each other with their jabs. This was a great artistic fight as far as, you know, if you're a young boy, if, you, if you're a trainer, Logan, and you're training a young boy, this is the take to show them, the DVD to show them on how to throw a left jab because both these guys were masters of the left jab, two yeah. of the ten greatest jab artists in the history of the sport.
1: Yeah, but it looked like Hearns' jab was a little bit more accurate for the fight. You know Uh,
0: what would surprise me? I'm watching this fight that night with my father at the Beacon Theater in Cold Circuit, and um, we didn't think Tommy was going to win this fight because we thought Virgil Hill, because of his, this would be the first time that Tommy could not out-jab somebody because Virgil Hill, at this point in time, 1991, was, was considered to have the best jab in boxing. Tommy found the founding of youth that night, Logan, and his jab... Thoroughly, thoroughly outnumbered uh, Virgil Hill jab in, in terms of accuracy and in punishment. His jabs were punishing. Virgil Hill's jabs landed, but Tommy's jabs hurt Virgil. I mean, those jabs were going through Virgil. Hello? Logan?
1: Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, he was a little yeah. bit taller than uh... – than uh, Virgil Hill, right? I mean, but He's not much.
0: For, Virgil Hill, six foot one and a half, Tommy, six foot two. And I think yeah. that's another reason why Tommy was able to outbox, but not, okay, for the listeners out there, this is a different Tommy. The first two fights we talked about, he walks down Quavis, he walks down Duran, and he destroys them. In this fight, because he knows Virgil is a great boxer, and Vir- and in order for Virgil to dominate, Tommy would have to go after Virgil? No. Tommy stands still and engages in a jabbing contest. Tommy's whole goal here was to outbox Virgil. Not only that, Logan, but to conserve his energy. This was one of the finest performances in Thomas Hearn's career because not one time did he seem tired throughout this fight. Tommy's, Tommy's two biggest weaknesses, two biggest flaws were his shaking chin after he got tired. One went, went along with the other. In this fight, he showed tremendous stamina, and not one time did Virgil Hill hurt Thomas Herman.
1: No, I mean, I didn't really. I mean, I, I actually saw him get punched a couple of times, but it didn't look like it was really doing anything to him. Uh, do you think it was just because he wasn't getting a good shot on him?
0: I think it was Thomas Herman controlling the pace of the fight with a jab. He was out jabbing Virgil Hill. Virgil Hill never, never, ever, ever fought somebody who had, never might a better jab than him, as good a jab as him. So right. Virgil, and also, Virgil was never much of a right-handed puncher. He never used the right hand a lot. He might have landed five right-hands throughout this whole fight. Virgil, everything was done off the jab, jab, hook off the jab, hook to the body off the jab. While hmm. Virgil was down, he had Dominic the lightweight division. He had, and he, was, he almost cleaned out the lightweight division. As a matter of fact, he had. He had beaten everybody. None of those guys had the boxing ability that he had or Thomas Hearns had.
1: All right, well, take us through this fight and kind of what are some of the highlights. I mean, it's a pretty it's a long fight. It goes the whole 12 rounds. What
0: I love about, what I love about this fight is the first five rounds, T- T- Hearns controls the fight. Even though Virgil is there because Virgil's landing his jab, Hearns is doing more. Finally, in the sixth round, Hearns begins to do more than jab. He lands several hooks to the body and a couple of nice right crosses that back Virgil off. And, and then round seven, Virgil came back, landed a few nice shots. Round 8, Tommy went back. Round 9, Tommy really took it to Virgil, hammering hammering with shot after shot. Round 10, Virgil came on strong. And after 10 rounds, two of the three judges had to fight dead even going into the 11th. Logan, the 11th and 12th round, Tommy Hearn showed the heart of a champion and his greatness. Because even though he's not as fresh as he was in the beginning, he outworks the younger Virgil Hill. And, I mean, he lands some hellacious right crosses. And that jab, he never abandons the jab. Thomas never abandoned the jab. He wins the WBA Lightweight Championship with a unanimous decision.
1: And what did you think? Uh did you agree with that or do you think it should have been? I a had the fight
0: push? score seven rounds to five, Tommy Hearn. So yeah, I agree with it. Two of the judges had it the way I looked at it.
1: And you were even up until that eleventh
0: round? I had the first ten rounds even. I was you know, my father, I thought he was done after the 10th because Roger was the tenth. And my father, and I looking at it like, damn, here goes another fight where Tommy's going to give it up because he's exhausted. But in the 11th and 12th rounds, he willed himself to victory. want to make two points tra- trainer-wise, two historical points when it comes to trainers. Virgil Hill was the first great fighter Freddie Roach trained. You saw a young Freddie Roach with glasses in his, in his corner. And this was the first fight Thomas Hearns did not have Emmanuel Stewart as his trainer.
1: I guess uh, he showed him he could do without him.
0: Well, there was there was a disagreement. Uh, the Hirsch camp felt that Emmanuel was stealing money from Thomas. Thomas really? Yeah. Thomas felt he he, he, he was short because Stewart was not only his trainer, he was his manager, so he handled uh, Thomas's finances. And he made a he made huge huge uh, money with the second Sugar lender fight. He was supposed to make something like seven eight million, and he only saw three or four million of that money, and he blamed Stewart they cut ties. It would only last. It would only last two years. By 1993, I, yeah. By 1993, Stewart was back training um, Thomas Jones.
1: Now, now, who was uh, his trainer?
0: His uh, trainer this fight was a was a guy Alex Shira, who had learned under Manuel Stewart. And um, unfortunately, uh, uh, Alex Stewart died a very young man due to stomach cancer.
1: Right, right. Now let's talk about the. Uh Aftermath of this fight for Hearns.
0: Uh, All right. uh, Eight months later, he would fight Iran Barkley in a rematch. He wanted to get the guy that beat him. Another fight we covered on the Greatest Fight Series, a brutal, one of the most brutal fights in boxing history, a 12-round fucking slugfest. It was just brutality. And um, Barkley won a split decision. fight could have gone either way. It was just a brutal fight. Hearns showed a lot of heart in that fight because after the sixth round, his legs were shot. And he stood toe to toe with a heavier, bigger puncher in Iran Barkley, so he loses the title to Barkley. And then, basically, after that, would just he would fight bums. He tried to get a fight with Roy Jones Jr. Matter of fact, Roy Jones had agreed to the fight, but HBO shot the fight down. So he never got another big fight after he fought Iran Barkley.
1: Now, in terms of his his skill versus. Iran Barkley in terms of prime versus prime, obviously no comparison, right? Well, Iran-
0: prime versus prime, Barkley caught her. So what happened was in that fight, we covered that fight. The first fight that they fought each other, June of '88, hers was beating the hell out of Barkley. He had him bleeding over both eyes. Was hitting him with everything, and he walked into a double left hook. It happened. It happened. Had he not had he not gotten caught, he was going to knock out Barkley eventually. The second time they fought, both them both fighters were past their prime.
1: I got you. Yeah. So, uh, so, but you think that, uh, Aaron Barkley is ranked at least all time grades higher than Terrence.
0: Iran Barkley will never make the International Boxing Hall of Fame. No, he. This is one of the instances where a guy beat a guy twice, and is not as great as the guy he beat twice.
1: Yeah. Interesting styles make fights. I guess. Is yeah. That
0: well, is. you see, he was as tall as hers. And he hit harder than her, so those were the only type of guys that could beat her. When Sugar Ray beat her, knocked out hers in their first fight, it's because he came after hers and engaged hers in a slugfest. The fights hers lost to, Barkley twice, Hagler, Sugar Ray Leonard, they outslugged him. He never got outboxed. Now, who
1: do you rank? Uh, do you who? What order of ranking do you put Hagler, Hearn's, and
0: Sugar Ray? I would go Hagler one, Sugar Ray two, no. Sugar Ray won. Hagler threw, Hearns three. Hearns three.
1: You really you put Hagler above Hearns,
0: huh? Yeah, I put Hagler above Hearns. Hagler beat Hearns. I I got to give it to Hagler. He beat Hearns. I mean, these well, I mean, so I did I ran Barkley. Yeah, but Barkley <laughs> but, was not the level of so a level of fighter that Hagler, Sugar Ray, and Tommy Hearns were. Yeah,
1: yeah. And I guess uh, I mean, do you do you think that Hagler was uh, robbed against uh, Sugar Ray?
0: Oh, we covered that fight on the series. I had it a draw, so I can't call it. I can't call it. That's a right.
1: That's right. Yeah. That's right. Okay, I so,
0: apiece, so I had six rounds of so I can't call it a, a robbery. Whoever, you know what? There were several rounds in that fight, Logan, and we went over that fight two for nail. That could have gone. There was like six, seven rounds in that fight that could have gone to either fighter, So I couldn't yeah. call either one was the fight. I can't call that a robbery. You know what? I call a robbery when when I'm when you're beating the shit out of somebody ten out of twelve rounds and they give the guy a fight. That's a robbery.
1: There you go. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, there's, uh, I mean, there are your
0: your Hagler
1: people and then your Sugar Ray Leonard people, and I think some people say Hagler's better, you know. I mean, uh, just the way it is. Yeah, Hagler, but,
0: Hagler was a great, great middleweight, but look at the people Leonard beat in his career. Leonard beat a lot of legendary fighters. Leonard beat Tommy Hearns, Marvin Hagler, Roberto Duran, Wilfred Benitez, four of the best fighters of his era. You know, that's hard to do. And that's difficult to do. Not too many fighters, other than Muhammad Ali and Sugar Ray Robinson, can make that can make that claim.
1: Yeah, well, I guess we'll cover the uh, greatest performances of Sugar Ray Leonard. Oh yeah, he's long. definitely
0: on the list. Let me let me quickly run down some of the guys we'll be talking about. We'll, it's a fifty part series. Um, we'll be talk- Virgil Hill. We'll be talking about him. Roy Jones Jr., Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Pepino Cuevas, Wilfred Benitez, Marvin Hagler. Riddick Bowe, Mike Tyson, Lennox Lewis, Larry Holmes, several of the guys that we'll be covering on this series. we already
1: did Muhammad Ali,
0: so we already did Muhammad Ali. We already did Joe Frazier, so we're not yeah. going to talk about those guys in this series. I get, I got emails about that. That's no. If you want to, you want to talk about Muhammad Ali's signature wins? Go to the archives of Block Talk. Look for the two-part series we did on Muhammad Ali, and we did one on Joe Frazier. Those guys. What? will not be covered on the shoes.
1: Well what I'll do is if there's one week that we can't do it, I'll replay that one. Yeah.
0: Yeah, you can replay that. Boom, they they'll they'll go there goes Ali. Next week we'll be talking. I already I am due to Fight. Episode two, Floyd Mayweather. January twentieth, two thousand and one, one of the greatest performances in boxing history. If someone told me this was the greatest performance in history of boxing, I couldn't argue with it. His masterpiece Virtuoso, five knockdown performance against Diego Corrales, January 20th, 2001. And then, a shutout, a pick, a shutout, just a, a a total, total shutout. June 25th, 2005, a complete masterpiece, against a very overrated club fighter, Arturo Gatti.
1: (laughs) Okay, man. And, uh, so we'll be, uh, talking about that next week. Stay tuned, everybody, for that. And, uh, Thanks again, one silver man. We'll, we'll get the series uh, off to a good start.
0: Yeah, I, I just wanted, you know, what the series I want to do is I want to bring out and educate the, the listeners out there as to, you know, the greatest fighters of all time. Basically, these are the 50 greatest fighters I ever saw that I have on footage. There's fighters, there are greater fighters like Henry Armstrong, uh, Jack Johnson, but there's no real footage of those guys, so I can't include them in the series because all you got is black and white grainy clips of a couple of rounds of their fight. So I these are the 50 greatest fighters that I have a complete archive of, and then I go into my archive, and I put out their two or three greatest fights. For the, You know, for the listeners to watch the fight on the links you give for YouTube or Daily Motion links, you see that, and you're like, damn, this guy this guy is great.
1: Yeah. Yep. All right, man. Thanks for educating the public, uh, the boxing public. We will be back with more class from the professor one silver and I am Logan
0: time traveler. This Logan, is Logan, before we go Logan, quickly. Yeah. You didn't give you t- your assessment. And I want to get your assessment. Every, of uh, every show of the fighter We covered your assessment of Tommy Harris's boxing style and what you came from see these three fights.
1: Oh, I love it. I mean, I just think he's like the, uh, I mean, he's like the Bruce Lee of fighting. I mean, he's just very, uh, almost like it's like martial artist style type fighting, and he's very good in the defense and then also just hitting that jab. He's just a picture perfect student. I mean, for a student to watch of the game, you know, you're right. He's the guy to watch because, wanna, especially if, if you're you, tall.
0: If there's three punches that you want to learn, you learn from him, watch it take him. The left jab, of course, you don't find a better jab. The right cross, many people consider it the greatest overhand right in history of the sport. I mean, the way he puts his entire body into that right hand, you got to study that. And the left hook to the body, just as good as any great Mexican fighter. So, yeah, excellent I'd analysis. To see,
1: I'd, I'd love to see Prime uh, Hearns against Prime Hopkins.
0: That would, that, that would be such a great fight. I think Hearns wins, but it wouldn't be easy. Cause I, I, Hopkins would, would no doubt try and outslug with, with Hearns. But I don't know. Hopkins has one of the great chins of all time. I don't know if he could sustain that right hand because, as great as Hopkins was at middleweight light heavyweight, he never had the punching power Tommy Hearns had. Absolutely.
1: All right. Well, let's wrap it up there, man, because we're going to get cut off. So.
0: All right. Talk to you next week, big man.
1: All right. Thanks, everybody. Check out fightingartsnetwork.com. Check out superfriendsuniverse.com. Shout out to Mark Grant. Peace.